0: The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. Who here uh, would would be able to point out um, one celebrity, one person of influence or prominent person that you would, like if you could have a meal with just one person, if you could have a dinner with one person, that you you would... Pick Elon Musk or someone. Okay, so who we got over here? Who? Okay, we got a Jordan Peterson. If we could have one meal, Jamie Oliver Oliver. (laughs) for food. (laughs) Hey, no, he's interesting. I know he's got he's got a lot of personality. He does. Who? Tim Tim Keller. Tolkien. Tolkien. Is that what you said? Anyone else on this side? This room's like filled with people. Anyone on this side? No, you got to put up your hand. I can't hear. You're the introverts. Okay, introverts on this side. Um if you could like just if there was any person and you could just get a meal with them, um, if we just think about the people whose names we've just mentioned, it would be us wanting that meal with that person. This story is the opposite. It is J.R. Tolkien wanting to have a meal with you, or Jordan Peterson wanting to have a meal with you, or Tim Keller wanting to have a meal with you. This is a story where one of the most prominent personalities of the day comes and it is that person who wants to have a meal with this man named Zacchaeus. And in this story, we basically see, I think, the heartbeat of the entire Bible, which is God and all that that means. Wants to be with his people, and so over the next few weeks, as we lead into Christmas, we want to look at the idea that God wants to be with people. We want to look at the idea of like what type of people does He want to be with? Because often, often we think that these types of personalities, these big people, they only want to, they only want to hang with their, their kind of their own peeps. So the, the high elites only want to hang out with the high elites. But that's not the gospel. And Luke, who's writing this book, is writing to what we know as Gentiles. They are non Jewish people. And the non Jewish people, the Gentiles, have heard about this Jesus and they're not sure whether they can get in with him because they're not Jewish, they're outsiders. And all the way through Luke's book, if you read his whole book, all he's doing is telling stories of every type of category of outsider he can come up with to show that when Jesus comes to you, he brings you in. And so for a Jewish, an ancient first century Jewish person, the way that they thought was there is near and there is far, there is holy or clean and unclean. There is in and out, and that's the way they saw the world. So you're either in or you're out. You're either far or you're near. You're either clean or you're unclean. And so what Luke does is he starts to write all of these different stories from the lens of you can come in. Jesus wants you in. And so I want to give you just four steps of this story, the way that Luke writes it, I think. So we're going to look at first the problem So it starts off in verse 1, he entered Jericho, this is speaking of Jesus, and was passing through, and says, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, and so here's the problem, okay, Jesus is coming, and so Luke wants to go, but here's the problem with, with this man. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on the account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass. That's Jesus was about to pass. So the first thing in this story that Luke does is he goes, let me show you obstacles to Jesus. Let me show you obstacles that this man has to being in with God. And so first obstacle is that he's a chief tax collector and rich. Now notice it said that he is coming from Jericho. Okay, Herod the Great had obtained Jericho from Caesar Augustus and what he had done, is, as good leaders do, they come in and then they build things so everybody knows that they've come in. So he's building aqueducts, he's building new temples, he's building stadiums and arenas, he's building all of these things because he's the new guy in town. And so everyone would know, hey, this is who's in charge. Look at the prominence. Look at me. This is is where Jesus is coming from and he is walking to and this is the context in which the Jewish people live. Now, when when someone comes in and they build a whole lot of infrastructure in a culture or in a society, what do those leaders then do to the people to pay for those things? It's our favorite word, guys. It's okay to say it. We love paying it to the government. What is it? Taxes. We love tax. Please take that money off me and put it towards something that you don't do well. I love it. Well done. Okay? Hope there's no political people in the room. Um, They tax. Okay? And so the Romans are in charge and they're building all of these things and they're going to tax everybody, including the Jews. And so what it says here is that this guy, Zacchaeus, is a chief tax collector, meaning... He's not with the Jews, he's now working for the Romans who are building things to their gods and to Caesar, which they're against and they don't like, and then he's going to work for them and come and tax them. And what we know from history is that they were actually taxing the Jews more than they were even the Romans. And so what we see with Zacchaeus is that he's not just a tax collector. What was he? A chief tax collector, meaning this is his business. This is his day-in-day-out job. He has tax collectors that work for him. So he is, in in a Jewish mind, he is an enemy of the state. This is a traitor. He is working for the enemy, taxing us the money that pays for them to build all this stuff on our land. This is horrible news. And he is rich. He is wealthy. And so for Jews, they see him as an extortionist, a traitor, a traitor. And the Romans also hate him because they see that he is unloyal to his own people and Romans are known for their loyalty. But that's not the only obstacle. Obstacle two is not just that he's a chief tax collector and rich, but there is this crowd and there is this man of small stature. Now, small stature, the Greek word there, it can be used in different ways. So some people read this and go, oh, he was a wee little man. He was short. It's possible. But it seems to me... In the way Luke's writing this, he's not really talking about his size, but his stature in society and culture. So he may have been short, he may have been little, but the way this, this word is used, it's in Greek it's used either way. So he might have been a small man, but I think Luke's really trying to say he's small in stature more than anything, even if he was small in size. So I think it's a bit of play on words. And so he is this, this man who is a tax collector and people don't like him and people don't include him. In fact, the Jewish people, if they saw a tax collector, would often spit on them. That's how much they hated them. And he is in this crowd of people who hate him. And within that crowd, nobody wants him. Everybody hates him. But for some reason, Zacchaeus is interested in Jesus. The story doesn't tell us why. Maybe it's the whole money thing, maybe it's the whole tax collector thing. He's realized he's got all this wealth, he's got all this stuff, but he actually he doesn't have any friends. You know, one of the most saddest things in the world is a rich man, and at the end of his life or end of her life, they get to the end and they realize they've got nobody with them, and they're miserable. We are often tempted to think if we just get rich, we'll be happy. It doesn't make you happy. It can make life a little bit easier. But this is a rich man who has no friends. He has no family. In fact, the only people the Bible tells us in the New Testament that that tax collectors hung with were prostitutes. So you'll often see those two categories go together because they're the only people that would actually say, yeah, okay, you can hang with us. But even then, the Bible in the New Testament, it makes a distinction between those people because they're lower than the low. They're the worst of the worst. Maybe he's heard that Jesus has a, a former tax collector in his ranks. Levi, Matthew is with Jesus. And maybe he's heard that he, he's been received. We don't know why he is doing what he's doing, but we do know that it says he runs ahead and he climbs a tree. Those are behaviors of children, not adults in Jewish culture. Adults don't run, and adults certainly don't go and climb trees. I mean, even in our culture, I've never said to Matt, hey, bro, you're really keen. I want to go down to Scarborough. want to climb those trees together. You want to come climb trees together? Like, we've never had that adult discussion in our culture. Uh, now, Matt loves trees. Um, you didn't know that about him. But when he goes to the Netherlands, he's going to be climbing trees. Like, we might say, let's go climb mountains together. But but typically, men aren't climbing trees together. In their culture, it's not just that you don't do it because it's kind of like immature. It's actually... it's childlike behavior, but this is what he's doing. And so what Luke wants to do, he wants to set up this problem that there is this man and he is far away from God in terms of how culture would see him. And people like this man do not get in with God. People like this man don't get in. People like this man never get clean. They are always out. Number one, the problem. Number two is the engagement. Verse five, it says, And when Jesus came to the place, I love this language, he looked up. The reason why I love that is because I know in my story that Jesus looked at me. Jesus was watching the way I was going about my life and he had his eyes set on me. And that is such good news. It says he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down for I must stay at your house today. Now, for us, we know the story. Maybe if you've been around for a while in church, you kind of know the story. But for a Jewish person hearing this story, they're like, what in the world? There is no way Jesus would do that. There's no way that he would say to a person who's acting this immature and is a chief tax collector to say, hey, hurry, come down, for I want to come and have a meal with you in your house. He's a sinner. He's a rich tax collector and trader. Nobody likes him. He's unholy. He's ungodly. He's, he's diseased in their mind. But it clearly tells us that Jesus noticed him. That the emphasis of Jesus' heart was urgent. Like, we're going we're to do this and we're going to do this now. And so what we see is Zacchaeus might be investigating Jesus, but Jesus is intentionally seeking to save him. Jesus is going after Zacchaeus. If you're a Christian, you're a Christian because Jesus went after you. This is the story of the Bible is that we didn't come and find God. God came and found us. We didn't bridge the gap between us and God. We didn't make our way up to heaven where God was. God left heaven, bridged the gap and came to us. We didn't clean ourselves up, get ourselves all orderly, nice and tidy, good little boys and girls, and go, hi, I'm good, I'm clean, look at me. No, no, he came to us while we were yet sinners. While we were still stuck in our, in our sin and in our brokenness, God came to us. And so Zacchaeus is investigating Jesus. Zacchaeus is clearly interested in Jesus, but Jesus is going beyond that. Jesus is intentionally coming to him. And one thing you need to know is that 10 days from this moment... Jesus' life is going to end. Do you get that? Okay, if there's anybody that's experiencing a a, a time pressure of like, I've got to get all these things done before I go to the cross. Like I've got a lot on my plate right now. Anyone here got a lot on your plate right now? Yeah, hey, that's the most hands I've ever seen up. Well done. It's like, yeah, we are busy, we are exhausted, we are tired. That's nothing compared to Jesus who knows in 10 days I'm going to be brutally crucified. I'm going to be beat to shreds. And yet as that's going on, he's like, but I care about this one man named Zacchaeus and I want to eat with him. Oh. How hard is it for us in our busyness and the stuff that we've got going on to think about someone else? The, the busier you are, the more you're going. On. It's hard when you're under pressure. You've got that exam due. You've got that time thing that you have got to get done. You've got that that, that job application got to be. You've got all these things, and we don't have space to think about others, right? Yet here is Jesus, ten days away from the biggest moment, not just of his life, but in history of the world, and he sees the kiss. I love that. Because it's really easy, on the flip side, to think God doesn't notice me because He's too busy. God doesn't care whether I sit down and just commune with Him and talk with Him, because He's so busy dealing with all the stuff that's going on in Israel and Gaza, Ukraine, Africa. Like, there's God's got more important things to do, right? than to want to have a conversation with me about how I'm going right now. Do you think like that? The story of the Bible is he has time for all of us simultaneously no matter what we're going through. And this is why the Bible constantly says in James, 1 Peter, count all joy for the various trials because God's not comparing. Well, that's really important right now so I'm going to be... Sorry, honey, just, you just need to wait. I'm having a conversation. Sorry, can you just wait? I've got this thing to do. No, no, Jesus, God, is omnipresent omnipotent omniscient he can handle every little thing and every big thing simultaneously and validate every single one of those is important so right now whatever it is that you're going through god cares and he is looking at you in your tree and saying come i want to have a meal with you so this advent don't don't think he's not interested in you he absolutely is And so Luke continues to show that this is Jesus' heartbeat throughout his gospel. He is showing that this is God's heartbeat towards outsiders. Tim Keller says, Zacchaeus was wealthy, but he clearly was not happy. Inevitably, he was lonely, for he had chosen a way that made him an outcast. He had heard of this Jesus who welcomed tax collectors and sinners And maybe he wondered if he would have any room for him. Despised and hated by all, Zacchaeus was reaching and God was loving. And then it says that Zacchaeus received him joyfully. There's over 20 references of joy in the Gospel of Luke. Why? Because when you meet the real Jesus, you come alive. Number one, the problem. Number two... We have the engagement. Number three is the religious. Hands up if you love religious people. Oh, we got one. Okay. Nobody likes religious people. Do you know why? Because they're miserable people. Okay, this is why. Like when you meet religious people, they don't they don't they don't smile much. They just look at everybody else's flaws and find fault with everything, and they're just they're miserable. This is them. So here is this man who nobody likes, and Jesus is hanging out with him and says, And when they saw it, this is the religious, they grumbled. He has gone in to be with a guest of a man who is a sinner. Meaning, he's unclean, we're clean. He's a sinner, he's real bad, we're real good. He's out, we're in. See the binary? You're either in, you're either out. You're either clean, you're either unclean. And they're not aware that they too are sinners in need of a saviour. They think they're clean. They don't think they need Jesus, which is why they miss Jesus. You see, it's only those who recognize their need for Jesus that get Him, which is why the Bible tells us that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. I think this is the hardest thing with Christianity is realizing we need Him, particularly in the West. We've got so much stuff. We've got so much good stuff. We need Jesus, and we need Him more than what we realize A Christian life is a joyful life, but a religious life is a miserable life. Do you know why? Because a religious life says, I have to do in order to get, and you just never get to the end of doing, because there's always something else you need to do. Like you pray for five minutes a day, then you pray for 10 minutes a day, then you start praying 20 minutes a day, then you start praying half an hour a day, then you pray for an hour a day, guys, not enough, keep praying, please, because the Bible says, Paul said, pray unceasingly. Okay, so the moment you stop praying, sorry, not enough praying. That's according to Paul. That's the word of God. Okay, don't ever stop praying. The Bible says keep, keep loving. Well, I loved, I loved, and then I'm doing this other thing. No, no, love endlessly. The Bible says forgive. How many times? How many? How many times I have to forgive? My grace grower is sitting right here. Like how many times I got to do that? And Jesus is like 70 times seven, which is just His way of saying endlessly. And so religious people, they never actually make it and deep down inside they know that because they can never get to God. And that's why we don't believe in works. We believe in the gospel of grace because God comes to men and women like you and like me. We are not trying to climb some works corporate ladder to get to God. We're simply going, Jesus is coming. We need Jesus. And then lastly, the response. Verse 8, and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, so this is obviously after he's come into his house, they've had a meal, it says, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, can I just tell you that's everyone, (laughs) there's no one he hasn't defrauded, I'll restore it fourfold. Um, We probably don't pick up because it goes so quick, that's a ridiculous turnaround. This is a man who has spent his adult life extortioning people. He is just trying to rip every single person off for his own gain. He has given up family, he's given up friends, he's given up like being somebody in any form of Jewish community because he wants money. Money grips his heart, possessions grips his heart. That's all he's ever cared about. Now he's getting to this point in his life where he's meeting Jesus and he realizes none of that matters. Because I've got Jesus. And Jesus has welcomed me in. Jesus has had a meal. Like, I'm having a meal with Jesus. What a turnaround. Money was his identity. Money was his priority. Money was his security. He broke the law to get more of it. He extorted others to make more of it. He betrayed his own people to possess more, more of it. And now he says, no more. I will give it all away because money is no longer driving controlling, motivating his heart. The man who he's just had a meal with has it. Oh, this is this is so cool. He's encountered the generous love and grace of God and now his life will be categorized by generosity and love and grace. C.S. Lewis said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has ridden risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. Let me say that again. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. This is C.S. Lewis basically giving you his testimony, is that he himself encountered Jesus through the gospel, and now he sees the world differently because of that gospel. You see, when you encounter the real Jesus, you receive life. Your soul was made by God and for God, and the gospel brings your soul and your spirit back in connection with the one who made you and formed you and designed you for him. When you encounter the real Jesus, you receive love. And despite what others around us, particularly leading to Christmas, despite what is happening in your families and the awkwardness and some of the the, the things that maybe are going on in your life, when you meet the real Jesus, you receive love because Jesus has been pursuing you your whole life. And He loves you and He wants to make you His son and His daughter. When you encounter the real Jesus, you receive forgiveness and freedom from shame. I don't know if you've experienced that. I have a past, and when I look at that past, it grieves me. I don't want to ever look at it, because there there are things there that I am ashamed of. And before I was a Christian, I didn't want people to know the depths of my heart, the things that I thought about, the things that I did, the things that I planned. I didn't want anybody to know about them. I didn't want anyone to know about my brokenness and my hurt, all the anxiety, all the things. I just wanted to create this facade around me and you would look at that and accept me. And then I met Jesus and he kind of went through the facade and went straight to the mess and then covered it up. And so now I can look at my past and it no longer has an emotional pull on me feel shame and I can talk about it freely because that no longer defines me, it explains some things about me, but Jesus has saved me, Jesus has forgiven me and I am set free from shame and guilt for the rest of my life. I am free. You can be free. Advent is about you being free. And it is a great feeling because now you can actually share your story to someone else who is feeling shame and guilt about the same things and show them the journey of like Jesus sets people free. When you encounter the real Jesus, you receive hope. Hope in your future that God is able to turn all things around for your good and will finish what he started. Hope in your present that you are never alone. The God of the universe is right there with you, never leaving you, never forsaking you, but helping you. And hope in your past that God will not waste your mistakes. God will not waste your messes. God will not waste your suffering and pain, but will in fact use it for his glory and your good. When you meet the real Jesus, you receive purpose. You realize that you are not an accident from a bunch of like hydrogen atoms just sitting in there and just somehow they all collide and one day like we came about and there you are. Well, wow. no, no, God designed you, God planned you, God thought you, God actually got the two exact parents he needed to get the right DNA to get you exactly where you are. So I get to thank him for my nose. It's, it's wonderful, thank you, you designed that. Okay, you receive meaning, you receive peace, You receive joy. These are all the things that are found only in relationship with Jesus. And then Jesus turns to him as the band come up. And he says, Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house since he is also a son of Abraham. This is Jesus saying to all those around, he's moved from out to in. He is a son of Abraham. Of Abraham, that is another way of saying he is a son of God. He is mine. He is no longer unclean. He is clean. What did Zacchaeus ever do? It doesn't even tell us in this story that he's even asked God for forgiveness. <laughs> but we clearly see a person who is repentant, who has said, I've met you, Jesus. And that life that used to define me, control me, whatever is there... I want to use everything I've done there to be about your good purposes and I will give. And so what Jesus is not saying is because you did this, now you're saved. What he's saying is because you did this, it's evidence that you have received me. And I love this line, verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And this is the story of Advent. Advent, meaning coming, the coming of Jesus is about God with us. God coming to lost, broken, hurting, wounded, sinful people and making them his own. And if you're a Christian, you have experienced that. But maybe you're a Christian who's experienced that and forgotten it and you've lost the joy. You've lost that sense of peace. You've lost that. Maybe in this season we need to come back to that and go, that's right, God came for Me. And if you're not a Christian, this is what it means. As Jesus sees you, Jesus looks at you, and he says, I want to come dine with you. Will you let me in? And if you do, he will transform your life. I guarantee it. Amen? Let us pray. God, thank you for your word. Whether are these awesome stories that happened in real history with real people. And God, we can look at the story of Zacchaeus and we can identify maybe with some things about him. And Lord, as we read other stories in the coming weeks, we might see things that we can identify with these other characters. But Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just see and identify with them, but we'd see who you are and what you have done and what you continue to do to bring people like us back to you, that you come to us. You you bridge the gap. You come across. You clean us up. You welcome us in. And so, Father, this Advent season, over the next few weeks leading into Christmas, Lord, would you just help us to pause and be still at times and just remember that while we were yet sinners, you died, you came for us to bring us home. I thank you for this, your son's wonderful name. And everybody said... Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Centre Church, located in North Lakes. We exist to make, mature, and multiply disciples in communities that depend upon, declare, and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecenterchurch.com.au. We provide our podcasts free of charge.